Welcome to Ladies Who Love Christ, where we love to encourage you to build intimacy with Christ. We'll bring you insights and teachings to help you grow in your walk with Jesus, ultimately becoming the strong, godly woman you were created to be. Here's Ashley Pope Todorova. Hi, ladies, and welcome to Ladies Who Love Christ Acts Bible Study. This is session two, and this week we're going to be working through Acts chapter six through eight. So we're grateful that you found the ministry. Make sure you hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, subscribe to us on YouTube, and share us with a friend. So we're going to go ahead and open in prayer. Uh, ladies, if you will, just bow your heads. Um, just silence the distractions right now. I know that that's easier said than done, but when we come before the Lord in prayer, um, it's really important that we just stop what we're doing for one minute and we come between uh, before a holy and righteous God. So let's go to him in prayer. So Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do tonight. I was eager to get to this prayer, Lord, because you know um, Apart from you, I, I can do nothing, Lord. So I pray that you show up tonight. I pray that you give me the, the energy and the vigor to, to teach your word and to slow down where you want me to slow down and to help me remain sensitive, Lord, to what it is you want these gals to learn and to take away. As we study um, tonight, the first Christian martyr and, and what that that really means and 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 also as we take your word lord and study it in time culture context and then we look at our lives i pray lord that you help us to really look at what are areas lord that we can get more fervent and more serious in our walk with you you are so holy and you are so righteous and you're worthy of absolutely everything that we have to give and lord i fall so short so many times, all the time, <laughs> I fall so short, but Lord, you're always there. You're such a gracious God. And I want these ladies to, to know you deeply and intimately. And in this world that is just chaotic now, Heavenly Father, I want us to be strong ladies who love Christ, who are out there in this world, proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming the God uh, good news and bringing glory and honor to Jesus Christ. So do what you will tonight. Heavenly Father, have your way. It's in Jesus' beautiful name I pray. Amen. All right, gals, let me let a few more ladies on Zoom. If you're listening on the podcast, we are teaching on a multi-platform um, type of a thing. We teach on Zoom. We teach on our Facebook group, we're getting ready to teach on YouTube, I think, the next study. So we're trying to go with a triple platform. So if you hear me some unusual talking, that is why. So if you're working from the book tonight, again, if you're not, don't stress. But if you're working from the book, uh, Acts Bible Study Book by John MacArthur, I want you to turn to page 27. Turn to page 27 in your book. And we are going to actually start out under the context section. Now, tonight's gonna to be a little different for me because I am going to stop in the midst of reading the book and I'm gonna take you to the passages of scripture for us to actually read it there. And I wrote a lot of notes myself tonight. So get ready. If you don't have your book, at least grab your Bible and grab something to take notes. So what we're going to start with is talking about the rapid growth of the first century church. Essentially, ladies, what this meant is that as people were coming to the church, there were an influx of needs. There were an influx of, of things that, that people needed. There were so many people coming to the church. 
uh, more people meant more ministries that were, were needed. New programs meant new administrative and logistical problems that threatened to consume all of the apostles' time. Now, rather than neglect the spiritual disciplines of prayer and teaching God's word, listen to this. The apostles called and commissioned a group of men to attend to the pressing needs of the body. So I want to just pause there for a second and let you know that tonight we are going to be talking about the first Christian martyr. We're going to be talking about a little more in depth, Stephen, Stephen's role in the church, what he did, the persecution that he faced, and the martyrdom, essentially, of Stephen. Now, as the church began to grow, essentially, the apostles realized that we need more systems in place. We need more people doing what they're good at doing so that we can go out and proclaim the gospel, proclaim the good news. And our church body, the people that are flocking to the church, and you see them today, you see them all over. I mean, that we are all in need, in dire need. But in the church itself, you see a lot of, of need, a lot of need for different ministries, a lot of need for different um, strengths and skill sets. So the apostles recognize this, and they also recognize, it says, um, that they recognize that, that it, all of these needs, now don't misunderstand what I'm about to say, all of these vital needs within the church itself threaten their, their time sharing the gospel. So really what this says is that we all have we all have, and I'm bringing it into modern day right here, right now. We all have gifts. We all have things that the Lord has entrusted to us. We all have different skill sets. I am surrounded in ministry by some of the most amazing women who have skill sets that are completely and utterly opposite of mine. But apart from these gals, I, the Lord knew I would be an absolute mess. And I say that with all sincerity, because I'm good at what I'm good at. And I am not good at what I am not good at, right? So, so they recognized that there was an absolute need uh, for people to come alongside them. And they needed to commission a group of men to attend to the needs of the church. So what I'd like you to do right now is I'd like you to turn in the word to Acts chapter 6. And we're going to read verses 1 and 2. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. It says, now in those days, while the disciples were multiplying in number, there were grumbling from the Hellenists against the Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. Verse two, so the 12 summoned the congregation of disciples and said, it is not pleasing to God for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. So they reached a point in the church. Now there's a, there's a little caveat here. They didn't just get to the point where they were like, hey, we're going to go ahead and do all of this right off the bat. They waited. The church started to explode. The needs started to present themselves. The Lord started to really bless it and bring people. And they recognized that, okay, now it, you'll hear me say it. It's time for us to stay in our lane. I'm going here. I'm going somewhere here, ladies. I'm going somewhere here because a lot of times I'm bringing it to modern day 2023 right now. A lot of times we think that we should be doing all of the things. We should be doing everything. And this is saying, get in prayer with the Lord. When the time is right, get in prayer with him and ask him 
where he has you, what he wants for you, where he wants you to use your gifts. Your gifts, I promise you, are needed in the body of Christ right now. They're absolutely needed. But this is very, very, very specific. I'm going to read it again. Rather than neglect the spiritual disciplines of prayer and teaching God's word, the spiritual disciplines of prayer and teaching God's word, the apostles called and commissioned a group of men to attend to the needs of the body. So they said, it's time for us to do what God has called us to do. We need to surround ourselves with people who are good at doing what they're good at doing to meet the spiritual needs in the body of Christ. That means that you, you need to execute wisdom, ladies, in the church. It is very easy. I will tell you this from personal experience. It's very easy to think that you can do all of the things, check all of the boxes, volunteer for all of the things. It's very important to understand, gals, that um, God's not called you to do everything. He certainly called you to do something. So it's just a, a little kind of parking it on the side, something I really wanted to cover with you tonight and just get you to think about. And if you're not engaged in your church, if you're not pressing in, if you're not growing, if you're not volunteering, if you're not plugging in in some way, um, get in prayer with Jesus about that. The second paragraph we're going to read from, Stephen was one of the church's newly appointed deacons with Christ-like character. He ministered powerfully among the people until the day that he encountered an argumentative group of Jews. After he declared the truth of God to them, they told lies about him to the Jewish authorities. For faithfully discharging his duties as a believer, Stephen was arrested. Listen to this. For faithfully discharging his duties as a believer, for faithfully doing what God called him to do, for being faithful in the moment, from a human perspective, Stephen is like arrested, right? How many times are we doing what we feel God has called us to do? And it doesn't always look from the outside like we think that it should look. So after he declared this truth of God to them, they told lies about him and arrested him. If Stephen was nervous as he stood before the high priest and the Sanhedrin, the powerful council of Jews, he surely didn't show it. I'm reading from page 27. He gave the religious leaders a concise review of Jewish history and then abruptly accused the council of murdering the long-awaited Messiah. They were accusing Stephen gals of blasphemy. But he gave them, he literally gave them, Stephen gave them a long-awaited, uh, long, concise, I should say, review of Jewish history. Stephen knew what he was talking about. When he was in that moment, when he was before the Sanhedrin, he wasn't unprepared. He knew his God. He trusted his God. He had immense faith. He shared the truth. It, it ultimately, what it did when he went before the Sanhedrin it, it, and he shared this, it, it absolutely um, counteracted this blasphemous charge that they were putting against him. That's exactly what it did. This blunt and pointed sermon sent the Jews into a rage and resulted in the first martyrdom in Jewish history. So I want you to turn to Acts chapter 6. And we're going to read verses 8 through 15 together. And it says, 
And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. But some men from what was called the Synagogue of the Freedom, including both Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and some from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and were arguing with him. But they were unable to oppose. Listen to this, verse 10. This is so good. But they were unable to oppose the wisdom and the spirit by whom he was speaking. Stephen wasn't going before them in his own strength. He wasn't going before them in his own fortitude, right? Then they secretly induced men to say, we've heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. Verse 12, and they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, and they came up to him, dragged him away and brought him to the Sanhedrin. Verse 13, and they put forward false witnesses who said, this man never ceases speaking words against the holy place and the law. Verse 14, but we have heard him say that this Jesus, the Nazarene, will destroy this place and alter the customs which Moses handed down to us. And then 15, and fixing their gaze on him, all who were sitting in the Sanhedrin saw his face like the face of an angel. So that is right, that is right before chapter seven, where Stephen goes in to give his defense. And all of chapter seven literally is his defense. Now, I want you to turn, flip in your Bibles to, let me make sure I'm on track here. Flip in your Bibles to Acts chapter 7, verse 54. So then all of seven is him giving his defense, and he's sharing this Jewish history, and he's going with the power of the Holy Spirit, right? And then in verse 7, I'm sorry, chapter seven, verse 54. This led them to really turn into an eruption of, of anger and rage. And it led to Stephen being killed. It led to the first martyrdom in church history. We're gonna read it. Acts chapter seven. Now this is all about, literally, it's the first person. Martyrdom is laying down your life, ladies. Let me back up a minute. Martyrdom is laying down your life for what you truly believe. It is saying, I am willing to lay down my life. Stephen was saying, I am willing to lay down my life on account of what I believe about Jesus Christ. So that's what we're studying is his first martyrdom. But I don't want you to miss the obedience, how every act of obedience ended differently than we as humans would anticipate it would end, right? But God always, God always, God always has a plan. Write that down in your notes. God always has a purpose. God always has a plan. With Stephen, who was moving forward in such obedience, moving forward in such faith, right? To be blasphemed and, and, and uh, screamed at and the rage that came at, at him and ultimately to be stoned to death, to pay with his very life. God had a plan amidst all of this. Acts chapter 7, verse 54 through 60 says, now when they heard this, they became furious in their hearts, and they began gnashing their teeth at him. Verse 55, but being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven, and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. This is right before he's to be stoned to death. Verse 56, and he said, behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But crying out with a loud voice, they covered their ears and they rushed at him in one, at one accord with one accord. Verse 58, 
And when they driven him out of the city, they began stoning him. And the witnesses laid aside their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. Now, in our recap last week, I talked about how God can take the most unlikely people, the most unlikely character, the most unlikely situation, and he can do with it what he what he he desires to do with it because he is holy, he is righteous, and he is God. He can do that. He can make Saul Paul just like he did. He can turn. But at this point, at this point in the chapter, at this point in in Acts, Saul is not yet Paul. He is one of the greatest persecutors of Christians, right? So there went, they went on stoning Stephen as he was calling out and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit, receive my spirit. Verse 60, then falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And having said this, he fell asleep. Okay. Having said this, he fell asleep. Now, let me tell you something, gals. Let's turn to, before I tell you something, <laughs> let's turn to Acts chapter eight, verse one. And I'm still reading from page 27 in the book, making sure I, I have a lot of different notes here. Stephen's death seemed to escalate the Jews' persecution of the followers of Christ. So here's Stephen. Not a lot is known about Stephen in scripture, but he was a studious man. He knew the Old Testament. He believed deeply in Jesus Christ. He was a faithful man. He was full of grace, right? And he, when, as I said, when he went before the Sanhedrin, he didn't go and do this unprepared. He was a prepared man. He was prepared knowing his defense, but he didn't go on his own fortitude. I'm going somewhere, gals. He didn't go on his own fortitude. He didn't go on his own strength. The Lord literally went before him. It literally says he went with the power of the Holy Spirit and they could hear the wisdom in his words. This is the type of man he was. And he ultimately lost his life. He was martyred. When you hear somebody is martyred, he lost his life for his beliefs. After this happened, this escalated the Jews' persecution of the followers of Jesus Christ. This man named Saul, listen close, proved to be a major leader in this widespread campaign of intolerance and terror. From human perspective, it was an awful, awful turn of events. From a divine perspective, everything resulted in far greater good. Everything resulted in far greater good. Now, with that being said, I want you to read with me Acts chapter eight, verses one through three. We are not just going to read from a book here. You're not just going to listen to me teach. I want you to open God's word, and I want us to bounce back and forth, and I want us to read it ourselves. And I think there's, I really do think there's something special about opening your Bible, not just reading even from the book. If this is all you have, fine, but open your Bibles. Now, Saul was in a hearty agreement with putting him to death. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem, and they were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Verse two. And some devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentation over him. In some passages or in some verses and some, um, I'm losing my train of thought here, in some 
translations, that's the word I'm looking for. They use the word wailing, right? Wailing. It was intense, extreme uh, grief, showing grief. Okay. Verse three, but Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house and dragging off men and women. He was delivering them into prison. Now, can you imagine? Here's Saul. He goes before the Sanhedrin. He's martyred. And then, I'm sorry, Stephen. There's Stephen. He goes before the Sanhedrin. He's martyred. He's doing the right things. He's doing it with the right heart. Nothing is turning out the way that we would think, right? we're reading it and we think, how is this, how is this just? And then in verse, uh, chapter eight, verse one, here comes Saul and he's persecuting the church further. And he's, he's killing people. He's imprisoning them, men, women, everybody, right? Paul, one of the greatest, like, I mean, God used him so mightily. He was Saul. He hated Christians, but throughout this whole process, I'm going to read uh, verse one to you again. Now Saul was in hearty agreement, putting him to death. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church. Now listen, because I don't want you to read to read. I want you to read, to listen, and to learn against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Ladies, because the Christians were forced to scatter to surrounding regions, the gospel began to be preached to Gentile nations. I'm going to say that again. Because of that scattering, because of the persecution of Saul, because of Stephen's martyrdom, because of this happening, because of this happening within the church, Christians were forced to scatter to surrounding regions. The gospel began to be preached to the Gentile nations. The gospel started to go where the gospel wasn't. God had such a plan. And amidst the persecution of, of Stephen, and I'm going to bring it up to 2023 after this, but amidst the persecution of Stephen, amidst the persecution and the hatred and the rage and the anger, and he's like, I'm being faithful. I'm doing the right thing. I'm pleading my case. I'm giving my defense. I'm doing everything I know to do. But you know what? He knew his God. Stephen knew God. He trusted God. He was faithful with God. We're going to look deeper at what faith is tonight. He didn't let those things keep him. He literally laid down his life, martyr. He laid down his life on account of what he believed. And through all that persecution in the church, the Lord used it to spread the good news. The Lord used it to spread the gospel. The Lord used it to reach hearts for Jesus Christ. In the midst of terrible, terrible, immense, persecution, the church continued to grow and to grow and to grow. You cannot stop God. You cannot thwart, thwart the purposes and the plans of God. You can walk forward in obedience, ladies. I'm bringing it up here. I'm not in the book. I'm not in the, the Bible right now. You cannot deter the plans of a holy and a righteous and amazing God. Stephen is such an example of that. He's an example of not getting sidetracked. He's an example of knowing and being ready to plead your case. Be ready to share the hope you have. Be ready in those moments when the Lord opens the door. Be ready. But he was a man who knew. 
He knew what he was here to do and he followed God. He didn't let that intense persecution. He didn't let that intense um, rage and all the things that were coming at him. He didn't let it stop him. And God used it all. Ladies, we're just going to park it because I am a time, culture, context kind of girl. We're going to park it. We're going to bring it right here, right now. Okay. There are a lot of us who, if we're not careful, we will use the things that have happened in our lives. We'll use the hard, hard things. And I say this with a love. I say this with, I genuinely say this with a love, but I'm going to say this. We use those things as a crutch. We use those things as an excuse to continue to live the same old way, to continue to repeat maybe uh, generational behaviors, to continue to go and to do things the way we've always done. But I can tell you something right now. If you walk forward and, and, and we're going to study, we're going to unpack the lessons that, that we can learn from Stephen's example that were set forth in scripture. We're going to look at all of these tonight. We're going to look at them in depth. And then we're going to look at four more points of his martyrdom. And then we're going to end. But if you look at these things, ladies, I want you to understand that God is, God is such a purpose for the things that we go through. And I will tell you right now, the things that we go through that are the hardest things, the challenges that we come up against, maybe the rage that we get from people for, on account of our faith. I know I've received opposition, but I'll tell you something right now, ladies, though our opposition is very different in our technological age, it is very different than what, what Stephen and what these apostles were facing at this time. It is very, very different. You are looking at a time right now in 2023 where there is intense persecution of Christians. But so many of us or so many of the Christian body have their heads in the sand and they refuse to see it. God will use those things, but we cannot allow those things to be a crutch. And, and the things that we go through, gals, and I'm done. I did not anticipate even going, going here. The things that we go through, the most brutally hard things. I've been through some very hard things in my life. Those things are not to make you a better performer. I'm, I'm going off. Those things are not to make you a better performer. They're not to make you better in your career, in your vocation. They're not to make you a better performance-based woman. Those things are for you to walk through with a holy and a righteous God who knew each of your days before one came to pass and use those things just like this to proclaim his good news, to share the good news, to share Jesus Christ, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the Messiah. The Messiah means the anointed one. The things that we go through are not for us to live better earthly lives. You, you hear a, a form of dysfunction with people where they grow up dysfunctional and they overcome it. And maybe they go on to run a successful business or make lots of money. And all of a sudden, their whole lives become about their accolades. Ladies, let everything we do, let everything we say, let everything we overcome in our lives be to the glory and be to the honor of Jesus Christ, right? So because of this, because of all of this persecution, and because of Stephen's martyrdom, and because of Stephen's willingness, and because of his his fortitude to literally stay focused on Christ. 
the church began to grow. The church began to grow. What the enemy wanted to thwart, God had a plan. God always has a plan. Write it down, circle it, highlight it. God always has a plan. I look back in my life, turn to page 34 in the book, because I am staying on track. I look back at my life, ladies, and I look back at the things that happened and the, the chaos and the abuse and the hurt and the, I don't have time to go into it tonight, but I look back at each and everything and I just see the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God. It doesn't make me want to go and be a better person on, uh, uh, I don't want to say be a better person on earth. It doesn't make me want to go and pursue earthly things. It makes me want to go and pursue Jesus and share what he has done and continue to share the good news and say, but my God, but Jesus Christ. So now what we're going to do on page 34, if you're working from the book, give me just a moment. We're going to answer questions one and three live. Questions number one and three, we're going to answer live. Questions number two and four, I want you to do uh, as a comment question. Essentially what a comment question is, is you can chat it in on Facebook. You can chat it in on Zoom. You can communicate your answers. You can communicate with the other gals that are doing our Bible study, okay? It's a, it's a way of engaging together. So question number one on page 34, give me one moment. Let me make sure I have it here. What situation prompted the leaders of the early church to take steps to organize more efficiently, appointing Stephen and others to special positions of service? Turn to Acts 6, Acts 6, verse 3. The answer is right there. Sorry, reading the wrong one. Give me just a second. Turn to Acts chapter six, verse one. Now in those days, while the disciples were multiplying in number, there was grumbling from the Hellenists against the Jew, against the Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So essentially the church was growing. The church was expanding gals. There was more need. There were more need for ministries. There was more need for people to use their gifts, right? This is what, what led to them taking uh, steps to organize more efficiently, appointing Stephen and others to, to these special um, positions of service. Now, this is what I was going to answer, and I was, I was off by a verse. Number three, what were the requirements for the men chosen to lead the church in serving ministries? So now they know there's a need, and they know they need to meet the need, but you have to have requirements, right? So what are these requirements? Now, turn to Acts uh, chapter 6, verse 3. The answer is right here. It says, therefore, brothers, select from among you seven men of, number one, good reputation, number two, full of the spirit, okay? Good reputation, full of the spirit, 
and of number three of wisdom who may be put in charge of this need. So these are the requirements and Stephen stepped up to the task. Stephen stepped up to the job, right? And the Lord used Stephen. And amidst crazy, chaotic circumstances, amidst things turning out different than we would expect, the Lord grew the church. Essentially, I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. What happened in the uh, latter half of chapter seven and, and throughout chapter eight was essentially, write this down, it was taking things and looking at them from a divine perspective rather than a human perspective. Write that down. It was looking at things from a divine perspective rather than a human perspective. As you go out this week, as you begin to study chapter four on your own, I want you to think, I want you to think deeper about this. I want you to pray to Jesus about this. What are areas in my life that maybe I'm looking at from a very human perspective, like a human flesh nature? What are, what are circumstances that I've lived through that I've endured that I'm only looking at from a human flesh perspective? Maybe they've become a crutch. Maybe in the process of, of going through some extremely hard things, victim mentalities have come up. And I know some of you, you're not going to like that. And if I get messages after, I can handle it. But gals, I want to tell you something. I've been through it all. I've been through it all. I've gone through everything. And the Lord's walked me through every step. But I have been there. I've been there where I looked at all of these things from a human perspective rather than from a divine perspective. This is not in the book. <clears throat> excuse me, this is not in the book, but I want you to get ready to take some notes and you'll see Heather chatting away. Heather, thank you for note taking. She's on Zoom and Facebook. So if you miss anything, just ask Heather and she'll make sure you get it. Now that we've covered the material in the book, we know the overview, we know the, uh, about Stephen's um, martyrdom and we know about the growth, how the Lord used this terrible circumstance to actually grow and flourish the church. We've read all of that. What are some things that we can garner from and learn from his example set forth in scripture? What are some things that we can learn from Stephen's example set forth in scripture? Okay. The first thing is, is that there's not a tremendous amount of information about Stephen and about his life. But the, the information that we do have, the information that we do know is that he was a theologian. He was a deep thinker. He was a, he was a reasoner. He was a deep student of the Old Testament, right? He was a prepared man. Here's the first point about Stephen that we can learn and that we can glean from scripture. Number one, and this applies to our lives too. Number one, he was a man of faith. Write that down. Stephen was a man of faith. Acts chapter six, verse five. And they chose Stephen and the word pleased the whole congregation. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And Philip, Prochorus, Nic Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, and a proselyte from Antioch. Some of those, those names, right? But they chose a man 
that was full of the Holy Spirit, and he was full of faith. They chose a man who knew he wasn't doing things on his own terms and on his own strength, right? How often do we try to move forward on our own terms and our own strength? So write that down. Number one, he was a man of faith. He was active in proclaiming Christ. He was active in proclaiming Christ. Bringing it to 2023, pulling over on the side of the road. He didn't just go and show up to be spoon-fed a little something. He didn't just go and show up on a Sunday to, to worship and, and commune with people and then run out the door and have no heart change, no life change, no, no desire to, to, to reach others with the gospel. He was, he was active, right? He was active in proclaiming Jesus Christ. I think one of the greatest things that buys for our attention right now in this social media driven, technology driven world is that we become so self-absorbed. All we're concerned about is our life, our schedule, our family, our list, our this, our that, self, 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 me, 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 me. Stephen was a man that was full of faith and he was active in proclaiming Christ. He knew that everything, everything, was divinely ordered by God. Every step, that's why I went into that about your lives. I was literally sexually, physically, and emotionally abused all before the day I turned 18. I've been in and out of foster care. I've had a child hid my pregnancy in foster care, gave her up for adoption, crazy, chaotic life. And there was a time where I fell into the victim mentality. Why, why, why? Today, right here, right now, I can tell you with every cell in my body, I would not change the life that God gave me because I started to realize, just like Stephen, being this man of faith, that it is not about me. It's not about you. It's not about us. It's about bringing glory and honor to Jesus Christ and being active and proclaiming him and saying, look what my God can do. Look what my God can do. There's not a day that goes by that I don't thank him, not only for the life that I lived, but for the healing and the restoration and how he is using it. Had I not lived that life, I wouldn't be able to speak so vehemently about the things I've lived through. Again, I'm paralleling. I'm just paralleling. I'm going back and forth. I'm going back and forth because I am not about slapsticking scripture. If you've been here a minute, you know that. I do not like cherry picking scripture, time, culture, context, but we can bring it. We can bring it to the present. In my studies, I came across a, a thought on faith and I wanted to share it with you. And I can write this out in the group. I don't have to, I don't expect you to, to keep up with this. Faith is too often thought of as a cherished sentiment. It is for the Christian, the inspiration of practical life and duty. They should be earnest in service, listen, earnest in service and find the earnestness maintained by their trust. We must be earnest in service and find our earnestness maintained by our trust. Faith evidently kept very near to Stephen, the vision of the exalted and the living Christ. That means faith to him was not just a sentiment. It wasn't just a sentiment. It wasn't just something he believed. It was something he did. It was something he did. 
The second point that we can glean and garner from Stephen through the scriptures is that he was a man of power. And this displayed itself in several ways, this, this power, Holy Spirit filled, God ordained power. Number one, it was his personal character. Go back to Acts chapter six, verse five. He was chosen. He was chosen. And one of the things that he was chosen for was his personal character. You know what? Our character matters here in 2023. Your integrity, your moral compass, your character, that matters. In a world that says it doesn't, full of reels and TikToks and Snapchats and every other ridiculous mind-consuming thing, our character matters. He had personal character. This power displayed itself through his personal character. It displayed itself through his perseverance. As much opposition as we come up against in this world on account of Christ, now listen, it's different generation, different time, different era. But as much opposition as we come up against right here, right now on account of Christ, the people that were coming up against this opposition then were facing death. Death, being killed in horrific ways, okay? So his perseverance, he didn't let this martyrdom, this thought of martyrdom stop him from sharing Jesus Christ. Are you gonna let what people say about you online or think about you online? Are you gonna let the opportunities that maybe people threaten you with or offer you if you can just be a little bit less vocal online? You tell me that, sis, I'm getting more vocal, as loud as I can get. Proclaim the name of Jesus Christ, persevere. Don't give up on account of people trying to pull you away, right? pull you away. You can get this promotion, but you can't, you can't mention Christ. You can't mention, you need to just hold it down just a little. The third point, his power was displayed through his scriptural knowledge. I always say, gals, listen, you're not going to learn it all overnight. It is going to take you a lifetime of studying God's word inside out day after day after day, going through situations in life and then going to God's word and saying, Lord, teach me. Don't teach me about me. I don't need me. I need you. Teach me about you through this, my life, my life, what I've lived through, the hard things, the brutal things. I don't, I don't want to know about me. I want to know about you. Show me what you can do and then give me the voice to go out and fearlessly proclaim the gospel. And we have never had a chance, never had an opportunity, never had such a vital, ripe opportunity, gals, to share the message of Jesus Christ as we do right now in this technological world. Are you going to get quiet or are you going to speak up? But see, here's the thing. You can't share what you don't have. His scriptural knowledge. Are you giving time to other things or are you giving time to God's word? Are you giving time to learning his word? Stephen was a man of power based on his intellectual gifts. Based on his intellectual gifts. I told you he was a theologian. He, he knew the Old Testament. He was a studier. He was a reasoner. He was a brain, right? His intellectual gifts. And then by the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. 
Stephen wasn't a man that was functioning out of his own strength. He was a man that knew his Jesus. And he knew that no matter what came his way, the Lord would use it. And he would use it mightily. And in Stephen's case, as little as we know about him, the Lord used his life to spread and proclaim the gospel to all of the Gentile nations. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Number three, Stephen was a man moved by the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. He was moved by the Holy Spirit. We're, we're almost done. I'll finish this up about 740. He was not just a man with strong intellectual gifts, but he was led by the Holy Spirit. Write it down because none of this is in the book. Led by the Holy Spirit. Stephen was led by the Holy Spirit. He was called to a certain work, a certain work. It's when the apostles said, hey, we need some help. We need new ministries. We've got to do what we do. We've got to stay in our lane. Now we need more people, right? We need more people to do what they do. Each and every one of you has a gift and something that is needed in the body of Christ. He was called to a certain work, not every work. Write it down. He was called to a certain work, not every work. And he was equipped and inspired for that work. And ladies, I know this to be true. I know tonight's teaching to be true. And maybe I'm coming at this teaching from a different angle than you anticipated, or maybe a different angle than you've ever heard. But I know this, this, this statement to be so true. Where there is full consecration of heart and an entire openness of life, transparency and openness of life, consecration of heart, there, the Holy Spirit can come, making the man his agent and, his, and giving his labors full success, giving the things we do full success. And ladies, I've never felt more ill-equipped when I go and I share and I teach. I, I never feel more equipped than when I'm about to hit record. But the Lord always shows up. He is a good God. What is that in your life? What does that look like in your life? Where can you be more consecrated to him? That means set apart. That means full surrender. Consecration of heart is not giving Jesus your Sunday. It's giving Jesus your every second. It's giving him every single thing, your vocation, your location, everything. You may be doing something that has nothing to do with anything in ministry and the Lord will use you in that place in absolutely amazing and incredible ways when we lay down our, our hearts and our lives truly to him and say, you are in control. And even when I'm looking at it from a human perspective, I know there's a divine perspective. And even when I can't see like Stephen, he's being stoned. And in the midst of being stoned, what does he do? I read it to you. I read you the verses. He cries out to God and he prays to God. This is, this is countercultural to completely rely upon and surrender to God, ladies. In 2023, this is countercultural to completely surrender and, and rely upon God. Our world says, you do, 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 do. You perform, 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 perform. Your accolades, your credential, your bank account, your investments, your IRAs, SEPs, whatever it is. That is your value. No, no. It is a countercultural thing to completely, wholly consecrate your lives and your heart and say, God, use it all. And use it all not for me, because it's not about me. Use it 
for you and for your glory. And you'll be blown away at what he does. You'll be blown away at what he does around you, the lives he reaches, the hearts he touches. So often we are taught, as ladies especially, performance-based efforts. We teach our children performance. Perform, perform, perform. We don't, we don't teach true and complete consecration of heart. Study it this week. Pray about it. Stephen had a reliance on God and on what he knew to be fully true. And he did not take his eyes off of that reliance and that truth. So he was a man who displayed great courage in the midst of opposition, a relentlessness to the truth, dedication to his study, and as the first Christian martyr, an absolute unwillingness to surrender his beliefs about Jesus, what he knew to be true, even if it meant giving his very life for that. Four things to know, and we're going to breeze through these. I'm actually going to, I'm going to have you guys done sooner than I did last week. Kind of proud of myself for that because I can really go off sometimes. Okay. Four things to know in view of the first Christian martyr. Four things to know. I want you to turn to Acts chapter seven in your Bibles. Verse 56. Acts chapter seven, verse 56. And it says, behold, I see the heavens opened up and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. I'm going to keep reading. But crying out, verse 57, with a loud voice, they covered their ears and rushed at him with one accord. 58, and when they driven him out of the city, they began stoning him. And the witnesses laid aside their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they went on stoning Stephen as he was calling out and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And not just receive my spirit. Verse 60, he said, don't hold this sin against them. As he's being stoned to death, the first thing that we can learn is that no matter what we're going through, no matter how dark it is that we're going through, no matter how dark what it is we're going through, no matter what place we're in, no matter how deep we are in despair, no matter how much the enemy is trying to come at you with different things or maybe depression, it is always right to approach. Write it down. It is always right to approach Jesus in prayer. I think it's one of the areas in our lives where we give him the least time and attention. Anything here of conviction is things that I've had to learn myself. It is not from me. So if you feel any amount of conviction, that's an opportunity for you to go in prayer. I'm not trying to make you feel convicted. I'm sharing things that I've learned from my life. It is always right to approach Jesus in prayer. He did so, Stephen did so in the midst of a dire circumstance. But right here, right now, we can approach our heavenly father. We can go directly to the throne. We can go directly to the throne in prayer at any given moment and say, I don't see, I don't have the eyes to see what, what you see, Lord, but you know, and you know how you're going to use this. Number two, it is especially vital to pray, write it. It is vital, underline it, circle it. It is vital to pray in times of affliction. It is, time, it, it is vital to pray in times of, of 
struggle and persecution. So often we just let ourselves get down. We just let ourselves stay there and kind of soak in this, this murkiness. And we don't go to the throne. Turn to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. And give me a moment, please. It says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things. It doesn't say some things. It says all things just like we are, yet without sin. He sympathizes. I'm not there yet. I'm not at a point where I'm even going to talk about it tonight. But my husband and I have been through a year and a half. It's been a year and a half of complete and utter reliance on Jesus. It's been a year and a half of me not feeling like myself, just getting away with God and his word. Some dark days we faced, and I'll share it. It's going to be everywhere eventually. Just got to get through it, right? You got to get through it. But we serve a God who's been tempted in every way and did not sin, and he is a God that sympathizes with us. He knows us. He knows the very beats. He put the beat in your heart. He knew all of your days, not some all of your days before one came to pass, all of your days. I hung on that scripture when I looked at all of the things that were so hard to reason in my flesh that I had to live through. But I thought, he knew them all. And now, sitting here right now, I understand. I'm a 42-year-old woman. It took some time. It took some time. Number three, Sustaining grace will be derived in trials directly from a view of Jesus Christ. Sustaining grace, sustaining favor. Grace is favor, right? Parenthesis next to it, favor. Sustaining grace will be derived in trials directly from a view of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? If we can look to him, our savior, see him to be exalted to to deliver us, to deliver us, to really deliver us, and truly commit our souls to him, we will find the grace that we need in our time of affliction. If we can live, as I shared earlier, with that consecrated heart, that fully surrendered heart, do you understand this is literally diametrically opposed to each and everything that, that, that we are indoctrinated with through the media and through social media? If we can look to him, our savior, see him to be exalted to deliver us. I don't know what I'm going through, but I know my God. I don't know why I'm going through what I'm going through, but I know my God. I know that he's faithful. I know that he's going to come through. Do you not think that Stephen, the first Christian martyr, had to have that view in mind? Do you know how easy it would be to renounce his faith? Do you know how easy it would have been for Stephen to renounce his faith and say, okay, yeah, I really value my life. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit here and I'm going to renounce my faith and I'm going to walk away. But no, he didn't. He didn't. Turn to Psalm 46.1 as we close. 
or get ready to close. We have one more point. Psalm 46.1 says, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in time of trouble. God is our refuge. He's our hiding place. He's our strength. When we feel like we can't go on, he is who we run to. We don't run to addictions. We don't run to past behaviors. We don't run to people. We don't run to whatever um, we, we want to run to in our flesh. We run to him because he's our refuge and our strength. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth should change and the mountains shake into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its lofty pride. Read it again, verse one, God is our refuge and our strength and ever present help in time of trouble. So if you want that sustaining grace, that grace isn't coming from the world. That grace is coming from you letting go of what you've lived through and the shame. And I know that letting go, I don't say that lightly, letting go with God, walking it out. There's a process there sometimes, but, but you walk it out with him. And that since that sustaining grace comes from you and your relationship and your consecrated heart and your consecrated life to him. Number four, and the last point that we can learn um, from Stephen in the scriptures is that we should have such confidence in Jesus as to enable us to commit ourselves to him at any time, no matter what, at any time, any situation, any circumstance, any challenge, any crossroads, any opportunity that, 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 somebody comes up to you and says, you have to choose this or choose Jesus. What's your choice going to be? What answer are you going to give? I want you to turn to James. To do this, we have to live a life of faith. We have to live a life of faith. James chapter two, faith and works. Remember what I said earlier, if you were listening, if I didn't put anybody to sleep tonight, what I said earlier, faith is not just a mere sentiment. Tied to our faith is an active choice to, to walk out what we say we believe, to walk it out daily. And when you're called to walk it out, let me tell you right now, it is not going to be easy. When I pray for patience and to walk out patience, when I pray for, for um, kindness and to walk out letting, letting go of certain things, when I pray for these things, you're going to get the opportunity to execute those things. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26, it says, what use is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm, be filled, and yet you do not give them what's necessary for their body, what use is it? What use is it? Verse 17, even so faith, if it has no works, is dead by itself. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. Verse 19. You believe that God is one. You do well. 
The demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, to the altar? You see that faith was working with you see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. Verse 23. And the scripture was fulfilled and says, And Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Verse 24. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also is faith without works dead. What this is saying is that we should live a life of faith. And a life of faith is not just saying, I believe. A life of faith, it displays itself. It displays itself. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. We're all going to fail. We all fail constantly every day. But but there's a, a um, an active step there to, to walk out your faith in day-to-day life, to be an example, to be a light. Ladies, my hope through studying the first martyr of Christianity to look at Stephen's life, my hope is that by looking at his life and looking at his faithfulness and his diligence and his willingness and his perseverance and his faith, all these things that he had, that despite them ending in a way that looked like it was so, so just cut short, right? Like there was no purpose, there was no plan. My hope is that you can look at that and say, wait a second, but look at the magnitude of what God used Stephen to do with the church and how he grew the gospel and he grew the good news. Now, we've studied the passages. We've studied the scriptures. We've gone in time and culture and context. I'm going to end with this. This is not in the book. I just want you gals to know, if you are holding on to something, if you're holding on to a crutch, if you're holding on to a victim mentality, if you're holding on to rage, if you're holding on to anger, if you're holding on to pain, if you're holding on to these things, if these things are defining you, if you're crying out in anger towards God for things that you've lived through, gals, I'm speaking from experience. He is a God that sympathizes. He is a God that knows his purpose and his plan for your life. Let us lay down everything that hinders Let us lay down everything that hinders. Let us use the situations and the circumstances we've lived through, not to further our own earthly advances, but to bring glory and to bring honor and to bring praise to a holy and a righteous and a worthy God. Because ladies, we are not living for the temporal here. We are living for the eternal. We are pursuing the eternal. And right now, right now with the internet, with social media, with the insane amount of platforms, with the blogs and the ability to get out there in this world. This is the time to get in the word, to know God's word, to stand in perseverance, to share his word, to share the gospel, to not back down because anything you give up, anything you turn away from, anything you say no to, anything, I promise you, anything, God will. God will 
show his divine purpose in that situation. His divine purpose in that situation. It's time that we get hungry for him. It's time that we stop the Sunday Christianity and that we start pursuing him every single day. If you're running into anything else before you run into God's word, if you're running into anything else before you run into God's word, in case you're asleep, I'm going to say it again. If you're running into anything else before you run into God's word, run to his word, know his word, spend time with him in prayer. We're living for the eternal. We're living to bring glory and honor to him. And we have a ripe opportunity right now, right here to win souls for Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I come before you and I thank you for what you did tonight. I thank you for the lessons through Acts chapter six through eight, um, Stephen's life and, and his martyrdom and his willingness, Lord, to just pursue you, to go before the Sanhedrin and to boldly proclaim you and and Lord, to just um, seek your word and, and to literally give his life. And in the midst of that, Lord, to cry out to you, to pray to you, Heavenly Father, to, to ask for forgiveness of, of their sins and the sins that they were committing on behalf of them as he was giving his life. Lord, when we look at the dire circumstances and scriptures of some of the people that gave their lives like this on account of, of, of Jesus Christ, Lord, may we not take that lightly in our day-to-day lives right here in 2023. When we have more at our fingertips than we've ever had, Heavenly Father, but yet we use it for such vile things. We use it for such vile things. A thing that can be used to proclaim the gospel and be so good, Lord, and so amazing in so many ways, just like what you're doing with the ministry so often, it leads to to sins and vile things, and we turn from you. Lord, if we've turned from you in sin, somebody, I don't know who, maybe somebody's struggling with a certain sin, Lord, may we lay that down tonight. May we lay down any strongholds tonight at the feet of Jesus. The cross is fully sufficient. What Jesus Christ did through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, through his bloodshed, Lord, that is enough. You've literally said it is finished. It is enough. We can lay it down and we can pursue you. We can take the examples of the men and women in scripture and we can go and we can live our lives boldly proclaiming the gospel. And Lord, sometimes that means we're going to have to give up things. We're going to have to give up promotions. We're going to have to give up things that look good on the outside on account of you, but Lord, may we always choose you. May we always choose you. I thank you for what you did in my life. You know, you've walked it out with me as messy as it's been. I know there's women who need that in their lives. They're holding on to things that's become their identity and they're things that need to be laid down and literally used for the glory and honor, Lord, of you. You're a God that sympathizes with our pain. You're a God that provides immeasurable grace, immeasurable favor, immeasurable mercy, immeasurable pity and compassion on us. May we stop being flippant in our pursuance of you. And totally, completely consecrate our hearts and our lives to you. It is in Jesus' beautiful and precious and holy name I pray. Amen.
All right, gals. Woo, we did it. 7.40. And I told you 7.40. That's like the second time I've ever done that. So I love to pray. I could pray all day. I need a shirt that says that. If you've tuned in tonight, maybe you've missed some of the Bible study and you want to go back. Maybe you just fell asleep, jumped off, whatever it is. We are up on YouTube after a day or two. Um, we're, we're up with the live video. We're also up on all major podcast platforms. You can find Ladies Who Love Christ on all major podcast platforms. Hit the subscribe button because then you get it in your feed and you can listen to God's word instead of listening to other things while you're driving around town and doing your thing. Ladies, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that you women chose to be here tonight that you chose to make your relationship with Jesus a priority because there's nothing in this world that is more important than that. Not one thing. God bless you all. And I hope you have a great night. Bye. Thank you, Heather. Bye ladies on Zoom. I love seeing y'all on. Have a great evening.